0: good morning good afternoon and good evening and welcome into episode 59 of kayfabe council the show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling my name is pretty tony and alongside me as always is the good brother tf joker joker with crack man what's going on
1: Oh, you know, not much, PT. It's the end of the week, it's the start of the week, whatever way you want to look at it. And uh, I am feeling a bit drowsy because I had a big feed earlier on, and I am just, you know, having, having that kind of food coma sort of vibe. You know, that sort of drowsiness that you can only get from just being still full up from a really good meal.
2: Where
0: I come from in the cockles of New York, we call it the itis. Uh, Some people are familiar with that term, some people are not, but it's the lethargic feeling that you get when you eat a lot of food and you need a nap. I completely agree. I've been there. Luckily, I don't eat a ton or really, uh, if at all, just to hydrate before we record and then eat afterwards. It is what it is. I feel you, man, that rundown feeling. The weather, it's getting hot. Today, it's only 119 where I'm at. So it's hot, you know. Sometimes you eat, you need a little bit of a nap. You need to stay rested, you need to stay hydrated, you need to make sure you're feeling comfortable.
1: Oh, yeah, it's not here, not hot here anymore, by the way. We have thunder and lightning, by the way. Torrential downpours are the weather of the day. I think my mom's car and my car have both been like power washed about six times today. And I wouldn't be surprised if someone somewhere got. Hit by lightning just randomly because it just happened.
0: That's a fair play. So over by me, we're getting crazy hot weather. Over by Joker, we're getting some crazy different thunderstorm and rain clouds. Wherever you are listening or watching, make sure you're safe. Make sure you're trying to stay cool. Make sure you're hydrated. Make sure you're taking care of yourself. It's one of those dog days of summer where sometimes the weather can't be predicted. And things outside of your control a little crazy, much like wrestling's been quite intriguing this week, much like the weather, so we'll get into a couple topics here, but just be good to yourself, like we say at the end of the episodes. just make sure
1: you're good to yourself.
0: Joker, are you taking care of yourself?
1: I mean, I'm trying to, I've been sick the past two weeks, but I've just been loading myself up full of... uh... Full of uh, paracetamol, full of lamb sip, you know, from hot drinks with paracetamol in them. Uh, I think I'm on my second bottle of cough syrup. Uh, I'm trying trying to be good to myself, PT, but myself's not being good back.
0: That's all we can ask for. Sometimes it agrees, sometimes it doesn't, but we'll get into taking care of ourselves, try to figure out what's going on, much like what's going on with the world of wrestling, as we'll get into with this particular episode. Alright, before we kick into the show proper, we hear Kfabe Council are saddened to hear the passing of Mike Halleck, known to many as Mantor, in WWE's new generation. Our thoughts are with his family, friends, and fans at this time. Alright, you can find us in video form at YouTube.com slash Kfabe Council and in audio forum wherever you get your podcast from. On this week's episode, we look at What's going on with WWE Factions? AEW Blood and Guts 5th Team Members
2: Revealed. And AEW Banned and Approved Move List. So, coming up first.
0: What's going on with WWE Factions? Makes me think of the Jerry Seinfeld. What's the deal? It's always these weird things with wrestling it's part sport, part soap opera, if you will. But WWE, in particular, because we have a long track record, a long history of uh, of shows to go off of, it's very particular when it comes to factions and to a certain degree tag teams. So, of note, while I was researching for last week's episode where we highlighted the Judgment Day. I was noticed how WWE's positioned them and their storyline very strong, as we mentioned. Uh, But I became conscious of the odd-booking, or shall I say, pseudo-typical WWE behavior of how they handle WWE faction warfare, if you will. Odd to the shout-outs to the 90s attitude era. Uh, But for more information on the Judgment Day, feel free to reference last week's episode, episode 58 where we looked at tension between Finn Balor and Mr. Money in the Bank Damian Priest as both men are targeting Seth Rollins and the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. But this past week on Monday Night Raw, Finn and Damian seemed to sort things out as they ended up winning the six-man tag match against Seth, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn. On the same show, after Imperium took the loss against the returning Drew McIntyre and Matt Riddle, Gunther seemed to chastise Giovanni Vinci, who took the Claymore and the pin from Drew. So Joker, I thought WWE surely are not going to yet again tease faction tension Immediately following the Finn walking out on Rhea and Dominic Angle, surely they wouldn't repeat the same storyline on the same show with another faction in the next segment, surely.
1: Well, PT, this is where you'd be wrong, because apparently that is exactly what bloomin' happened. I have no idea who thinks that this is a good idea. Well, actually, I have a very good idea who who thinks this is a good idea. That person is so out of touch, they think that mustache looks good on their face, and it really doesn't. But hey-ho, I'm not a fashion consultant, I'm just a bald guy. Anyway. The Judgment Day, getting back together, or sorry, healing the wounds. Let's say you know, sort of, maybe uh, all paths were uh, were trod, and they were seen to be uh, lacking when the strength of the unit was just going to be superior, and that is what we went with. Good job, mustachioed idiot. But now we're rehashing an old uh, tension before Giovanni Vinci even came back onto the main roster with Imperium now sort of showing struggles. Like, I don't know what it is, but no man is an island, PT. You have to have a little bit of friendship or a buddy system, if you will. So, why is it that we have to have single stars being loners? Why can't we use the New Day as a shining beacon of what a faction means to WWE? We have three single stars who have achieved great accolades and we have a Freebird-esque style tag team that have achieved equally great accolades inside, outside, in and around the ring and the business as well as other sports. Imperium, to me, is just another version of the New Day. Like, we can have the singles runs for the boys. We can have the tag runs for the boys. We can have them be super heels. Like, they look absolutely domineering. Why do we need to split them up? Is it because you think Gunther could achieve even more greatness by himself? I mean, you're probably not wrong. He is a very, very big man, and he's a very hard-hitting man. However, he needs a mouthpiece. He also needs heaters. He actually has to have some reason for us to hate or like him. And having that little team of the lads around him is good for Gunther. Also good for the boys that's with him, because they're getting a little bit of the ski. Plus they get to be utilised on other parts of the talent. So why are we using what just happened to the Judgment Day last week, which we were giving off about this week, and it's not even the first time we've done it? The Imperium. I'm not going to lie, I'm slightly angry about this uh, sort of line of thought from a mustachioed idiot um, and why he thought that this would be a good change. I'm hoping someone shaves that mustache off his face and you know maybe slaps some sense into him. um
2: but well, we all know that's not going to happen either.
0: Yeah, it's one of those weird things that traditionally we've seen baby faces be the loners. They don't have friends. We've seen an angle where a baby face will get attacked by a heel or, or a couple of different heels. And a lot of times no one comes out to save them because baby faces don't have friends. But yet heels, even if they don't like each other, can get along. So it's one of those weird storytelling elements. I don't understand it sometimes, but it is what it is.
2: We must
1: overcome adversity. No, you idiot. You don't. You just have to be really popular and get over. And then you can just, like, a rising tide raises all ships. Ever heard of it? Like, come on. You only just have one bloke out there going, I am the rock and I have all of these quips because LA night's better anyway. So, I mean, let's face it sort of like
0: we've seen weird the wwe go back and forth between that specific trope that i'd mentioned kind of recently with either drew who was a loner and then sought aid from shamo and the brawling brutes at one point uh matt riddle who was getting beaten up and then tagged in sammy and ko and now kind of drew so we like to use kind of both of these the actual trope of baby faces being loners but then also occasionally getting help. It's one of those just pick a lane at the end of the day. I don't go back and forth repeatedly, just either have them have friends or have them not have friends. Just decide where your story's going to go.
1: Exactly. Like pay attention to what's going on with your faction because the Judgment Day was super popular and you decided to tease tension like, no, buddy, that's that's not how that works. Just when you're just when you're trying to raise another member up to that upper level, you're teasing tension. That's gonna take away from everything you're trying to build. What are you even playing at? And it's the same with Imperium, like we're coming close to Gunther being the the uh the top uh the the longest reading IC title, longer than honky tonk, which is what I want. Um think we're like eight weeks out whatever it is and people are already like oh i want drew to win i want drew to win blah 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 blah. i love drew absolutely love drew what would make sense though is for gunther to retain and for imperium to stay together so that this is a collective unit of heels and we understand that gunther is supposed to be insurmountable
0: yeah, the nature of having factions, specifically of heels, makes the most sense for, for having baby faces overcome and fight from underneath and all that. So those particular aspects make sense. But alluding to something you mentioned earlier, uh, sounds for Gunther looking as strong in Imperium, Ludwig and Giovanni haven't had the best win-loss record. little research Uh, giovanni here in 2023 is 535 and 1 in 41 matches this year and ludwig in 2023 likewise is 536 and 1 in 42 matches this year safe to say they are on the losing end so far in this calendar year uh, but of course, you alluded to it before Giovanni was paired with Gunther and Ludwig at Clash of the Castle, a return to the Imperium faction. Gunther had an angle where he reprimanded Ludwig, stemming from Ludwig not winning matches. So teasing tension within Imperium is not a new thing. Honestly, it's recycled storyline. That notwithstanding, this got me thinking about other factions within WWE. I know that the LWO has been promoted this year, especially the pairing with Bad Bunny with Backlash being in Puerto Rico. They were pushed as huge babyfaces. However, as of late, they just have been hit or miss in terms of their booking or just showing up on the show. So I looked into it. uh, Santos Escobar just won the United States Championship Invitational on SmackDown. Before that, he was in the, the Money in the Bank ladder match. So. Looks like he's been on TV. That's fair play. Zelina Vega just lost to Bailey on SmackDown. She was also featured in the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. So she's been able to be on TV. But conversely, Cruz del Toro and Joaquin Wilde, their last match was the tag team title gauntlet, lost on SmackDown on June 16. Ray has been MIA as of late, but he will be in the next week's United States Championship Invitational. And then the other faction that I looked into that I was going to highlight, and some people may have forgotten, is the club. We have AJ Styles, the leader has been featured on SmackDown, losing to distraction from Karrion Cross in the aforementioned United States Championship Invitational. Mia Yim occasionally comes out with AJ. But her last match was that mixed tag match with AJ losing to Cross and Scarlet on June 16th Smackdown and the good brothers who some people may have forgotten about actually got a TV spot in a backstage segment with AJ after the last match was the aforementioned tag team title gauntlet loss on Smackdown on June 16 much like the legato del fantasma team in lwo honestly joker i know the storylines and the booking run hot and cold on people it is what it is i get it but those two factions lwo and the club were drafted high in the most recent draft this year but yet they've been hit or miss with they been featured or getting segments at all it's been hot and cold with them, so do you feel like the blame solely falls on creative, or is it maybe another factor?
1: Um, there's a couple, there's two factors. One is 100%, uh, in fact, no, it's really only one, uh, it is creative, 100%, it's creative, it's always going to be creative, and, um, it's the lovely trope that we had of uniting the titles. The factions that we have talked about tonight all have one thing in common. They all have a tag team in there but they have no title to fight for. None of them are in a title situation and it's one of those things that we joke about it a few, like last year, maybe before the titles, in fact the year before 21, it was always the same teams. It was always going to be the Street Profits and the Usos or the New Day or some configuration of like Two to three, you know, stand-in teams. It was always the same matches for the titles. Whenever the, the Street Profits had the titles, uh, and Randy and uh, Randy and Matt as well. Randy and yeah, Randy and Matt. I thought I said Randy and Randy for some reason. Um, so it's one of those that you're like, uh, we need to take these titles that Sammy and Kevin have and separate them so that we can give these teams. Some competition and some reason for being. Because otherwise, there's really no point to having tag teams on a tag teamless show. Like, that is something that I sincerely feel that we need to change as soon as possible. Cruz del Toro and Joaquin Wild, they don't exist. They they just don't exist. They're part of Latino World Order. Yeah, cool. Latino World Order is just Santos, Rey, and Zelina right now. Because they're the only three people you constantly see on TV. And that's good for them, and I want that for them. But a rising tide raises all ships. Why don't we try and bring the tag team titles into this? Get Cruz and Joaquin to start challenging for that. Yes, they don't have to actually win these titles, but as long as they're in the mix. It's the same with the OC. You would think we were clairvoyant. We actually had our pre-production meeting last night and we were talking about these factions and stuff. We're like, okay, PT came up with the idea, of the factions. And then we're, you know, the, mentioned the club, et cetera, et cetera. And then I was watching uh, SmackDown this morning. And I was like, we're talking about these guys tonight. Like, I can't believe this is actually on my screen right now. They're listening in. Um but yeah, we must be clairvoyant or something. It was good to see the OC on my screen. Not really good to see them in the capacity that they're they're being seen doing getting their butts whipped. Um yeah, so it's just fix the tag team division. I know WWE doesn't like tag team wrestling comparatively to AEW it 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 can be said that Vince hates tag team wrestling that's that's whatever mustachio just sort your life out before you try and ruin everyone else's here because these stories that you are messing with and these people like you could get so much more money out of out of all of these individuals if you utilize them um i don't know man i just feel really bad that uh i mean i feel bad that these guys aren't getting utilized they probably feel the same way, I'm not going to put emotions onto them, they probably feel okay about it, you know maybe the OC boys uh, Big LG and Carl Anderson are probably sitting on that being, I'm okay not having to travel the TV, I got the bag but you know, everybody else is like I just want to make more money, I need to get more screen time, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. so yeah sort these out, these factions are great, you're underutilizing them, and it's a dang
2: shame
0: You made mention of KO and Sammy holding the, I guess the term is the unified tag team championship. Of that, the tag championships and the women's titles were the last of the titles to have the nomenclature of a Raw and a SmackDown. Now that we have rectified of sorts the women's titles with the WWE and the Worlds Championship for the women, I have a sneaky suspicion at some point we will. Do away with the raw and Smackdown naming of the tag team titles and sort that out probably separate them and Kind of do that because we like to have them pairs, especially with raw and Smackdown being each brand so at some point Hopefully we sort that out, but I was thinking to myself as you were talking about I know KO and Sammy tagged with Seth on raw in a six-man I believe when I was reading out these notes and researching that aforementioned gauntlet that pretty deadly one did KO and Sammy have that match with pretty deadly on SmackDown or are they still pending the fact that I can't even remember if they actually had that title defense because I know pretty deadly won yeah, and then they know. stayed in the ring and Sammy and Kay are like, what are you still doing out in the ring after a commercial break or whatever? So it's like, yeah, honestly, it's crazy.
1: I have no idea, dude. I, I like you're asking that and I'm like actually I don't you'd think that a title defense would be something that they would have kind of said about it, but I know it was Sammy's birthday the other day so probably time off or whatever. But yes. Yeah, it's, it's been a few weeks since I've seen them on SmackDown anyway.
0: Yeah. On money in the bank, they were up in the stands. And then I believe on the day before they may have had that tag team match with pretty deadly. I'd have to go back and research, Mm. let us know down in the comments uh, if they actually did. But yeah, it was one of those where they haven't had a ton of defenses as of late. I know right after they won those titles from the Usos, they were doing a couple of like open challenge. All right, you know, let's have a match right now. Person who interrupted us Mm. type of thing. And, At the end of the day to circle back to the question i posed to you it's gone creative if the creative is not feeling a tag match on the night in question or they're just not feeling it at the moment gotta shoehorn in something give these guys something to do the aforementioned joaquin weill and cruz haven't been featured or just have shown up on television maybe in the background as of late much and the oc like i mentioned mia was occasionally accompanying aj to the ring good brothers they showed up backstage on smackdown before that they had a random appearance backstage with aj i want to say two or three weeks back and then in that aforementioned gauntlet so it is what it is it's a tough beat it's probably on creative there's not much you can do as the independent contractor in that situation to to try to ruffle the feathers like hey we want to do something we need i'm sure everybody wants to have some television time get in matches get in title hunts of course but to that end ended up just looking at a couple of the other ones and we can go on and on about the other groups like you mentioned new day is banged up right now the way is mia the brawling brutes just kind of exist damage control are trying to make it work with dakota kai out and eo teasing a face turn hit row is relegated to dark segments the bloodline are separate from everything they're always being featured it is what it is but do you think it's going to take uh some time or for these groups joker what do you think it's going to take for them to get tv time for storylines for matches is it Possible injuries to someone else, like a Mustafa Ali Kofi Kingston situation? Do you think maybe it's more TV time, having too much talent? What maybe do you think is an overlying issue?
1: It's going to be a a sort of issue. People, People aren't going to like what I'm going to say. It's the bloodline not existing anymore. The bloodline not taking over. Everything to do with SmackDown will get all of these SmackDown factions and individuals more time on the TV. Because we're giving so much time to building something with Roman Reigns without Roman Reigns being there means that we're having to take time away from everything else. Like, any time a segment with Roman runs long, it's everybody else suffers for it so it's it is honestly the bloodline no longer existing in its current form is the real boon to everyone else having uh to having their moment in the sun like they are the only thing that can actually help everybody else and at the minute they're hurting everyone and, and specifically is roman hurting everyone because we're trying to maintain his relevance without him being there by having these dramatic segments with jay uh which are good don't get me wrong but we don't need to run 10 15 minutes long with him every bloomin' week rehashing the same thing just to have a brawl you know happen and it's like you know guys i'm kind of i'm kind of done with the meandering can you kind of pick up the pace and get into at least a trot so, yeah, it, it, that, that would be my main thing. you get rid of that one big blight um, against this division, uh, this I say division, I say this, this group uh, thing that we have, the factions, as it were, um, then I reckon there'd be more room for people to breathe. the The, the tide could rise, these ships could rise, and, and we could have more success with these these individuals, and we would see less of the ju um, so. It's an interesting
0: note, I look back at the previous SmackDown where that Bloodline opening segment ran 30 plus minutes, So, and by consequence other folks' time in matches or segments I'm sure had to either be trimmed or cut entirely, so it's not a out of the realm of possibility, it's a fact that Bloodline gets a lot of TV time, it just is what it is. So maybe it's something of if that was scaled back a little bit, the reassessing or reformulating of TV time to other segments and other people could be a fix. I know that WWE is hot on bloodline. Of course, they get a lot of TV time. I'm sure the merch sales is up there probably within the top 10. They are, I'm sure folks are interested in their TV segments. It is what it is, but yeah, maybe if, that cools off and they decide to curtail that a little bit maybe there's more opportunity time for other folks who knows
1: that's going to be the big thing for people like if we can get past this without going oh you know we love the the bloodline we love roman it's like no 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 no." it's getting steel you need to know when to cut your losses here folks and at the minute the bloodline and roman especially are cutting into everyone else's time and as much as people probably aren't going to complain because, you know, yes, merch and everything, you know, like merch sales were reportedly up uh, for the first time in a long time for a lot of individuals. Um, but TV time is what people kind of want. They want to get out there and they want to do their do their matches. They don't want to have to have them cut. Um, so I mean, they don't want to have to have them revised uh, several million times either, uh, which also leads to time being cut. So. Yeah, definitely something that we need to work on is giving these factions the proper time. Stop trying to split them. Figure out ways to get the tag team division back in order. And for, you know, the love of all that is good in wrestling, please just, you know, give us a reason to actually not have Roman on our TV.
0: Yeah, it's one of those where at the end of the day, you don't want to have one thing negatively impact one other thing or everything else. So not to say that the bloodline is a negative, it's making a lot of money, folks tune into it, but it could be the WWE and we as fans could probably do a little better about getting other folks an opportunity as well so that it doesn't hindrance. And the fact that, one last note here, Like you said, the WWE has a track record of not liking factions, and or tag teams for that matter. The tension piece we're running with right now currently exists in the Bloodline, in the Judgment Day, in the Imperium of sorts. I mean damage control to an extent. We really like teasing tension within groups to a certain degree on the peripheral We've talked about it, or the commentary has talked about it, nauseam of the Street Profits. Just are, are they going to break up? Is there tension? Is one way or the other?
1: They teased tension ages ago, and yeah. then it just kind of dropped because yeah. it was a silly idea. Yeah.
0: You mentioned it before. The New Day is a fantastic idea. We're coming up on nine years, almost 10 years of them being together as a unit. You can have them together in different iterations and support one another and be successful for all the team members. We can do this without breaking up, so. Lots of factions going on, lots of things. How do we make this better? There's no simple answer, but we figure, we presented a couple of different ideas. So those were our thoughts on what is even going on with WWE factions. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram. Let us know if you have ideas about what's even going on with factions in WWE. Do you have a suggestion? Do you think there is a possible fix to spreading the love a little bit more around?
2: All right, the next segment we're going to talk about here: AEW Blood and Guts fifth team
0: members revealed. On AEW Dynamite, Don Callis makes his entrance to announce the fifth man for the Blackpool Combat Club at Blood and Guts. Don's here to make a very important announcement, and he's very excited about it. Don's so excited because the fifth member, along with the rest of the BCC, is going to slaughter the elite and Kenny Omega. And may God guide their hand. No one is more deserving of this abuse than Kenny, who is an ingrate, a coward, and a punk. Enter Kenny Omega. John Moxley and Kenosuke Takeshita get between Omega and Callus when suddenly pak cuts omega off with a chair they beat omega down in the ring and gets on the mic and says kenny has no idea how long he's been waiting for this since kenny shattered his nose and pak is the fifth man and omega will pay his price box and Takesh to catch collar kenny with a chair Pac goes up top john asks for last words and omega says they still have a fifth man too. Lights go down. We get a video package. Kota Abushi is coming to blood and guts. The Golden Lovers stand reunited. Suddenly, the Hung Bucks save Omega and clear the ring. Hangman Adam Page says Wednesday, they'll finish this once and for all. And he says they're done never out. And they're going to show the BCC it's about heart, passion, soul, friendship, and love. Consumed by rage, they'll never prosper. Next week, they'll find out the hard way that a little barbed wire is nothing compared to what they'll do. And when they're down and out, that's when Kenny will come for Don Callis. Joker, we have the completed teams. Pac will join the BCC, the Blackpool Combat Club's team, Kota Bushi, We'll join the Elite for Blood and Guts. I gotta say, to be honest, not bad choices.
1: Much more satisfied with these choices than the previous choices, which I did end up giving out a bite. Obviously, with the Elite, um, we had Eddie Kingston and uh, Tomohiro Ishii last time. Because Kenny was in a match. Fair enough, he couldn't make it. But, you know, Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi were always meant to be in the five-man. If we weren't going to have this iteration of the elite in this match,
2: what are we even doing? You know what I mean? What is the point? Like, it just, to me,
1: it, it reeked. Of AEW's typical stance of we need to keep momentum going, and instead of bringing in other talent and pushing them and getting other stuff done while this is on the side, we're gonna just kind of give you fifty percent of what the final product is gonna be. Because I'm pretty sure about a month or so ago we talked about this, uh, about this match being in blood and guts. And I was kind of hoping it would have it in Blood and Guts and be it all in. You know, I'm not getting that, okay, whatever. But I'm super happy with the choice of Pac because it's been a long time. It's been since January since this man has been back, since this man has been uh, uh, in this AEW ring out with a uh, broken nose or whatever the heck it was, I think, from Kenny. And it's just one of those things that you look at him and you go,
2: I I love this guy, he's just
1: such a bastard, and he's so good. He's so good at what he does. I love the former Neville, the now Pac. He's he's just a character that you look at and you go, he's so talented. He's aggressive. He fits the um, the mold of the BCC uh, are are sort of projecting out into the world here, and he has he has beef with Kenny Omega, like, okay, cool. I mean, I just like him because he's Pac, you know, I prefer, I prefer that, as opposed to, you know, oh, everybody's going to be like, oh yeah, but, you know, Joker, you hated the fact that Eddie Kingston was only there because he wanted to fight Claudio, I was like, yeah, but Eddie Kingston wanted to fight everybody, Pac literally only wants to fight Kenny, so you know, do with that what you will. Tommy Hiroishi was just there to fill out the numbers too, so come on, come at me for that one too. Pac is going to be one of these elements that will have an amazing uh, segment with Coda, he'll have an amazing segment with Kenny, he'll have an amazing segment with Hangman, and he will crush the box. Like, there's going to be so much animosity between Pac and the elite as a whole, that it's going to be fantastic to watch. And, um, you know, back to Coda, like, I, I was lying in bed trying to get up so I could start the day. And I was looking at Twitter and I was kind of dodging all of the AEW comments. And I kind of yawned and just kind of didn't swipe at all and looked at my phone and saw Coda Ibushi. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh. So I was, I was a wee bit annoyed that I spoiled it for myself um but i was also happy that uh you know i i wanted coda to be part of this for months now and uh i'm super happy that he is this will be uh, interesting to um to discover
2: just how destructive
1: the uh the golden elite can be
0: yeah, it was nice that they kept it a surprise in terms of what the team members were and ended up being as well as the pops that both guys got, Pac and Kota. Without advertising, they just showed up or were announced and were like, ooh, and the crowd went wild, at least the live crowd. And a lot of folks seem to have liked the picks. So I'll agree, really, really great choices. I think it's going to elevate uh, the match itself In terms of Pac, I think with the rivalry between the Elite and the BCC going back some months now, and with all the other competitive uh, and combative elements with Hangman and Mox, with Kenny and Don, Kenny and Pac, all these little subtle plots, like you had mentioned, are going to make for interesting pairings in the eponymous match upcoming next week, or this week rather, upon release of this episode. Uh we've gotten an indication of what's upcoming, because this is the third iteration of the Blood Guts, the double ring steel cage enclosed gauntlet style match. This is AEW's take on War Games. In 2021, we saw the pinnacle prevail over the inner circle as MJF was threatening to throw Chris Jericho off the top of the cage. Sammy Guevara surrendered for his team to ensure Jericho's safety. However, the dastardly heel that MJF is pushed Jericho off the cage anyway. Oh, no. Yeah. Last year, 2022 saw Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz, along with the BCC, defeat the Jericho Appreciation Society, where Daddy Magic, Matt Menard, submitted to Claudio Castagnoli's sharpshooter on the top of the cage before Chris Jericho could submit to Eddie Kingston's stretch plump. With the previous matches to go off of, the stories we have the tension between all these guys. Are you looking forward to this match, plain and simple?
1: Yeah, it's going to be the only reason I'm going to tune in the Dynamite. If I'm perfectly honest, um, AEW have done a not so great job with the Owen this year. I'm not interested at all. Um, I am not really interested in an awful lot of the stories. I feel like they're doing the same deal that WWE is doing with the uh, Bloodline. They're stretching storylines out that don't need to be stretched out. Uh, The stories are taking far too long. Um, I know they're trying to build anticipation, but you don't need to build anticipation for Hook versus Jungle Boy. You just need to let Hook beat the Tower of Jungle Boy. It's that simple. It's not something that needs dramatized. You can get a lot of matches out of that, You don't need two weeks of Jungle Boy going, I'm going to Hawaii. And you're like, okay, cool. I mean, I know he's going for his, because it's his girlfriend's birthday or something, but like, I still don't care. That story needed to be told this week or last week. It's just some silly stuff like that there. Um... Good to see we had Athena and Willow uh, main eventing Rampage, uh, which I really enjoyed. Uh, big fan of Willow. Big fan of Athena. Uh, ladies killed it. Uh, love to see that happening more often. So you know I have to give uh, AW a little bit of a compliment. I can't just sit here and rag on them like they're doing everything wrong. Everybody would be like, oh, you're a WWE apologist or something. Like, no, no, no. I hit both companies equally. Don't worry about it. Um, So yeah, like Love to see the love to see that aspect of it working out well. We're getting a decent run at these women's division or this women's division. Uh which I love to see. But everything else for me is falling apart. Uh, the tag division is kind of eh recently. Um so yeah, literally the only reason I'm I'm gonna be tuning in to Dynamite will be to watch this match because I am super hyped for it. And I've wanted to see this iteration of this match for a month.
0: You brought up an interesting note of storylines dragging on. I recall last year we had mentioned, I think, either post or during the Blood and Guts season. We noticed and we reflected towards the end of last year, the feud between the BCC and the Jericho Appreciation Society had numerous matches we had the anarchy in the arena we ended up having the blood and guts we had different mini feuds within that that feud dragged on that was man that was four or five months that was basically the latter half of 2022 for AEW that those two factions had some sort of match or iteration between them two it almost felt like had we had anarchy in the arena, had we had blood and guts, and it wavered off there, it would have been fine. But it ended up kind of kept going to a degree, and then basically, I think around November time is when we started to get like a mox and a hangman, and then sort of plant the seeds of this initial beginning of BCC transitioning over to a. Elite thing also you had to bear in mind that the elite were off because of the all out shenanigans the fallout from the brawl out and all out that mm-hmm. notwithstanding um, The other piece about the weirdness that aew does with storylines and we've mentioned it both with wwe We've mentioned with aew we've talked and spoken at length about what's aew doing with their women's division we've had a couple episodes where we've, that's been the topic of that nature but the AEW has been getting better to a certain degree, but there's still opportunities. I like that the there's more and different women featured. We're always a big fan. We want everybody to be successful, the guys and the gals. The I also appreciated that Rampage had Willow and Athena there uh, as the main event to lead into the Owen for both matches on Collision. We we're taping this just before Collision, so bear in mind. But yeah, it's one of those where there's weird, still weirdness and opportunities around the women's division, the tag team division, both the the duos and the trios. Whatever happened to the House of Black as a whole and them defending? I did like them with that new wrinkle of, we have this match, but the opponents can pick a stipulation thing. I thought it was cool, but that's...
1: Ice rules, yeah.
0: That's cooled off because we've had... Buddy and Brody fight Andrade, El Idolo. Thank you, Kevin Kelly, for finally getting that correct. Appreciate you. Much love to you, brother. Taking notes from Dasha. It took
1: him a few weeks, man.
0: Andrew L. Idolo, El Idiolio, notwithstanding. Where I'm going with this is, has AEW have opportunities with their storylines and their divisions? That's That's a fair statement to say, I think, from observations. Even the fans will say, we can always improve. WWE likewise has opportunities with with certain pairings and factions and things we just spoke about in the previous topic. But here's where I'm drilling down at. So long as they don't have these storylines drag, like we the aforementioned BCC and Jericho Appreciation Society at the end of last year, other factors came into play. We're finally getting the payoff here. The combination of the Golden Elite. Taking on the BCC. We ended up having that 10 man at Forbidden Door. Now we're having this Blood and Guts. Joker, I'll bring it to you with a question. Do you feel like this will continue on like last year's BCC JS feud, or will this subside with Blood and Guts?
1: Honestly, it's really hard to tell, PT. Um, It'd be nice to be able to say yes uh but last year you know with that feud it just kind of kept happening there was no reason to have the next match they just had the next match because the boys decided they wanted another match um with this one it's a big stipulation match we're bringing in one one person who hasn't been in the ring been seen in the the main spotlight ring in four years a pock and you know where it's a big thing so like logic would dictate that this is the blow off. Um I wanna say yes so bad, but I just can't. I just don't think it's the end of this. Uh I feel like all in is going to be the true end. Uh I don't know what's gonna happen there. Maybe a singles match between Kenny and um Kenny and Takashta or Kota and Takashta and Kenny and Mox or something like this here will have singles matches. <sighs> something like this here. I don't know. What do, what, do, what do you think?
0: As far as the team goes, we had that 10-man. We had that. Did we have an... What was the Anarchy in the Arena before? That was the BCC, and was it the Elite? A couple it was the Elite, back? yeah. It was 4v4. Okay, thank you. So we had the 4v4 at Arena, we have the 10 mana Forbidden Door, we have the Blood and Guts now. Traditionally, it's in groups of three, so I can kind of go either way. As far as the teams, it might subside. We might get a little bit of that spillover in terms of a duo tag or a singles match, like much like you had mentioned, to kind of cement and then these guys can part ways. That's our biggest fear, like we'd mentioned in previous episodes about that JAS. Just don't make it feel like it's overstayed its welcome. I like that we're getting this match. Let's let's turn the burner off on the stove and let it simmer and then kind of cool off naturally as opposed to just kind of hamfisting forcing it. So all these guys, a lot of people like. A lot of people like a lot of the members in the BCC and Pac, of course and Kinosuke and the the fellas in the elite let's maybe not give them a thing of like is getting stale and that's just to some folks some folks would would love another year of them going at it but let's let's leave them wanting more as opposed to overstaying our welcome All right the uh, final thing on this topic here I just wanted to softball it over to you before Wednesday's reveal who did you think was going to be the final members of the respective teams?
1: Bushi was a hundred percent my pick. A hundred percent was always my pick for the the elite. Um, and honestly, like I I I never even thought of a member for the BCC. I legitimately didn't have a pick. Um, because I was just so focused on the fact that we could have um we could have. Literally anyone in the BCC, really. Um, I was just so focused on Kota Ibushi and was just like, "Yes, hundred percent, this has to happen. This would be primo sense. This would be the best thing ever." And I'm super stoked that it's Pac. Like, knock on to pot, We we have we have lauded Pac uh, so many times in the show. Like, love him to death. Think his athleticism is great. The skills in the mic are fantastic. His ability to sell or second to none that man is going to show you how to sell he's going to put a master class on of how to sell watch him he's going to kill it but uh yeah who, who, who did you think it was uh, was going to be then for uh, for these two teams before Wednesday I originally
0: thought on the BCC side possibly Shota Umino being John Moxley's mm-hmm. pseudo young boy it made sense to me but we ended mm-hmm. up getting that exact team that iteration at forbidden door. So outside of Mox, Shota didn't really have a connection to any of the opposing combatants. So I know Shota is targeting Okada at the moment. So, okay, fair play. So since we got that exact team, three lads in the BCC Shota and Kanosuke at forbidden door, I was like, okay, maybe we want to change that up. So I ended up like looking at the men's roster and I thought, who could work? No one seemed to fit with the BCC, and/or possibly feud with an elite member. So at the end of the day, I was glad it was Pac because he gave a quick promo. He made it make sense. He he wants to go after Kenny, avenge the injury, the loss of the trios titles, the whole nine. That made so much sense when it was Pac. I was like, oh, light bulb, bing, really great choice. And for the Elite, I was always much like yourself going with Koda Ibushi. They alluded to it heavily, I think, two or three, maybe a month or so back when Hangman was just saying, yeah, Kenny's out of the country, but he's not in Canada. I was like, Ooh. all right, it, ha- it has to be. It has to be Kota. So, um, But much like yourself, either way, I'm good with the choices, and I'm looking forward to the match, and this is just going to be a beautiful disaster. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. That's all I really I can say.
1: Can't kind of wait to see the pop for these boys whenever they come on it. All right.
0: So those were our thoughts on the AEW Blood and Guts Fifth team members revealed as Pac and Kota Ibushi. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube. Or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and let us know what your thoughts were on Kota and Pac being announced. The Blood and Guts match up coming. Who do you think is going to win? Feel free to let us know. Alright, and the last topic we're going to cover here on today's show, the AEW Banned Approved Move List. So, this past week, Fightful Select has obtained a document created by AEW regarding moves and or actions that are banned or restricted as the company is adopting a new health and safety protocol. While several people in AEW have seen it, there are several wrestlers who haven't. So the list itself falls under two categories, the first of which is banned things, which include, quote, unprotected chair shots to the head, shots to the back of the head, buckle bombs and blind moves backwards into the turnbuckle, fencing responses, which would be unnatural position of arms following a concussion seizure cells spitting bleeding in the crowd weapons or projectiles in the crowd taking drinks or food from guests in the crowd and finally physical contact with the crowd so those are things that aw feels should be banned at the moment The second category here is a list of moves and actions that have to be approved by coaches and officials. Of note, there are, quote, spots and bumps on the ring apron and outside, table, ladder, chairs, spots in and out of the ring, only allowed with padding, any elevated spots outside of the barricade, dives and ladder spots on stage, around the arena, and other places outside the ring all pile driver tombstone variations including sit down drivers inverted poison hurricane rana and vertebrae breakers high risk dives or top rope moves including 450 630s double moonsaults shooting star presses etc intentional bleeding of any sort not just blading throwing people into through or over ring steps commentary table bell table or guardrail slash barricades Chairs, pipes, kendo sticks, hammers, ring bell, bat, chains, title belts, etc. To elevate a little bit, thumbtacks, skewers, barbed wire, and other sharp puncturing objects, aerosol sprays or liquids. Throwing any weapon or object slash chairs, choking, strangling with hands or a weapon on hanging spots, injury spots or angles, whether or not the medical is involved slash call to the ring. Any physicality in the crowd or crowd brawling? And finally, any physicality involving referees, managers, extras, celebrities, or special guests? Quite a bit of the list there. So Joker, it's a lot to take in. So in regards to the first category itself, the band moves. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that stood out to you? Is there anything that surprised you, to be honest?
1: Not really. Um... It kind of all makes sense. Unprotected chair shots to the head. Shouldn't happen. CTE, concussion protocols, everything should be in place to protect the wrestler. You're not, like, I don't care who you are, how young you are, how long you think you've you you know you've got in this career, how immortal you think you are. Um, I'm going to tell you how to do your job. Do not take a dang unprotected chair shot to your dome it's stupid so yes perfect strikes to the back of the head i'm a little bit surprised by this some people like you know will osprey have the the move the hidden blade kind of appears to look like it's uh strike to the back of the head any knee shots like the v trigger and stuff obviously to the front but there are knees to the back of the head um a wee bit surprised because that does cover some people's move set in a little in a sense blind moves backwards into the turnbuckle I'm not a huge fan of the buckle bomb, um, probably because ever since you know Seth Rollins did Finn Balor and you know busted his shoulder, and we talked about it a few weeks ago. Like I've not really been a fan of that, so that makes sense. Um, the seizure selling could be you know that, that actually makes sense. It could be a trigger warning, you know, and it, like if somebody sees somebody's having a seizure, it could mean you know could bring a trauma response. I, I feel like that's perfectly all right. Um, And physical contact in the crowd, like, you don't want this giant athlete coming over the guardrail and smacking you in the face, like, imagine you and your kids are in the front row, and, you know, Kenny Omega lands on your eight-year-old, you're like, well, I guess I'll just have to make another one, like, because that one is, is now completely crushed under Kenny Omega, so it's one of those things that these band moves and band things make sense. One of the ones that was funny to me, uh, but after a, a moment of uh, sort of reflection, it made so much sense that I wasn't even thinking about it, was the taking food and drinks from fans. It was so alien to me whenever I started watching AW that, Wrestlers were doing this. They were taking food. They were taking drinks from the fans and drinking them. you know, like Hangman and the beers, or it was uh, I think it was Matt. I think it was Nick actually uh, took like he was asking for a diet Pepsi. He's like, it's like, do you want it? Like somebody said, do you want a drink? He goes, is that diet? Like you could see him mouthing it. Um, so it was one of those things, and I was like, this is nuts. Like yo, why are they doing this? This 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 like somebody could spat in that. It could be drugged, like. I'm not saying it is, but like my immediate thought was like some people could be absolute evil people and do this sort of thing. So I'm actually really, really happy that that thing is now banned. I, I think that one makes sense. Yes, it's crowd interaction, it's something that AEW was built on. This isn't the indies. AEW is trying to be a legitimate promotion. Let's try and treat it like a legitimate promotion. We're not trying to use the fans as stagehands.
0: That's a fair play. I think those are honest and well thought out responses. As I'm looking, as I read it, and have time to digest the ban move list, I'm agreeing with a lot of your points. The the shots to the head, like with chairs and other stuff, makes sense. We, I mean, we've had in the past like 10 or 15 years we've had so many wrestlers pass away from just damage that their body has taken and just you've seen them just it takes its toll and shots to the head we're knowing more now like you spoke to it about ct and all this other stuff like these guys have just taken a beating and we know now more so that it it takes its toll and there used to be a line on commentary you know he got his brain scrambled and it's like oh man like it you know is a line on commentary at the time but like you, you think and sort of look at at your 2023 mindset and you're like man that's just it's not good all around you know shots mm. to the head the 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 notion of like uh the the blind moves backwards i think it's come down to it's a, kind of a safety thing where guys are, are it's a buckle bomb it's those like poison rana the the match with nick wayne and Swerve Strickland where he ended up doing the Poison Rana off the second rope Brett's rope and you know they've Nick Wayne and and Swerve Strickland have wrestled a couple times and this was the third match that happened uh, this past week but it was one of those where Shane Swerve Strickland itself he he ended up you know landing relatively after he came up after the move he seemed to be relatively okay ended up winning that match but it was one of those where man those look like nasty bumps and those you land high on your shoulders, and you and you have you know your your head and your neck and your arms to help sort of situate yourself. But those are rough landings, man, where you want to mitigate. You know we the uh, right of forbidden door, the tiger driver ninety one. Everyone exploded about that move that Osprey hit on Kenny. So things like that, I'm understanding and I'm getting it right. Things mm. like you you brought up a really good point, the seizure cell, folks. I my you know before I moved out. Uh, of New York City. I was in a band and my drummer suffered from seizures and it's crazy and it's it's a frightening thing and you don't know what to do if you're not prepared and it's one of the scariest things ever. Um, so I completely understand. The uh, the notion of the, the spitting uh, was another thing that in retrospect now after you had mentioned your thoughts that we're still living in an age of the global pandemic. It's still a thing that's happening and going around, people are still getting sick from that particular infection. So it's something we're going to have to deal with going forward. I kind of get it. Uh, the And then the last sort of portion about the crowd interactions, the not taking drinks or food from the guests and the physical contact with the crowd. Until you brought up about the you know sharing of drinks and stuff i instantly thought of the ongoing global pandemic and then also too you brought up that that's a fair point you know there's a lot of you know sharing even of saliva you don't maybe don't want to do at a thing because you don't know what you know maybe somebody might be sick and you don't want to have somebody be out sick for a week or two potentially just because they wanted to have that thing i i get it i'm just maybe i'm not trying to be a hypochondriac but it is what it is And that last final part, the physical contact with the crowd. Man, at the end of the day, folks love to see a a big old wrestler just slap a drink out of somebody's hand and heel up in the crowd and and jaw with the crowd, and totally understandable. But you want to save yourself a lawsuit, man. Somebody, you know, uh, a a wrestler grabbing someone's shirt or, you know, slapping a fan or something like that. When you come to a show, you don't necessarily think this big gigantic individual is going to lay their hands on me much like if you go out to a grocery store you go to the market go to a restaurant you go to school you're not expecting you know even if it's you know you antagonize you kind of don't want to have that so i can see themselves trying to save themselves from a little bit of a a little bit of a lawsuit ski brother but uh to wind down my point they want to play it a little bit safe to varying degrees for the wrestlers health and both for their for their show and for their company, I can understand why they want to cool off on these things.
1: Yeah, I mean, just to kind of finish off my point, um, if you want to do any crowd interaction, have a plant section. If uh, if you're on the internet at all, you will have seen this week that uh, Mr. LA Knight has been everywhere. It's not a show one that should get LA Knight in a few times, PT. I want to try and shoehorn him in everywhere much like I do with my guy Cody. Anyway, LA Knight was using so many plant sections throughout the years for WWE. That's how you do it. You get a plant and you have this guy just jaw jacking, someone completely unknown, just jaw jacking and being all like completely rude and he has a beer, and he throws it in one of their faces and then he gets slapped. You know, that's how you do it. You don't have, like, of course, actual fans some of them are a-holes. And some of them will not get the memo. So at that point, you go, hey, security, get this guy out of here. He's not a plant. I don't like that guy. You don't take it into your own hands. Equally, uh, you know, just kind of don't do 450s or topes into the uh, into the crowd, please. There's kids, there's there's women. You know, there's maybe infirm people who are there as well. Like you don't know who's in that crowd. And yes, you're trying to give them an experience, but the experience should start and end at the guardrail, not at the door. Um and that that's just my personal opinion on on sort of fighting in the uh fighting in the in the sort of seats. Um finally if you have any sort of opinion on ct or or concussion protocol or anything go and watch a dramatized movie called concussion uh it's just so good and it, it is dramatized it's based on real life and it shows you the dangers of what this kind of stuff does it is so silly that this is only now being published as a banned move this is what coming up to four years of AEW's lifespan, and we're only now seeing unprotected chair shots being banned. That, to me, is far too late, Um, and I don't care who you are, that shouldn't be a thing, so please let's stick to this list. Let's not have some sort of uh, fire seal where everything must go AEW's done for, because I, I promise you, these banned moves are not the end of aw
0: one final point on these these band things i think about the interactions with the crowd there's an old adage that if a fan jumps the guardrail they're fair game they can literally get legally uh, allegedly beaten up by with no repercussions from the fan you don't hop the guardrail so i think about if i was going to go to a show you know if if i was going to bring my partner or my nieces and nephews and things like that and you know, somebody kind of comes up and they take a hard bump against the guardrail or, or accident. Like, I, you know, I don't want them to get hurt because we're there to enjoy the show. I just think about that. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to get heat from the audience, but it is what it is. Just make sure that we can respect the boundaries of, of the athletes and hopefully keep the fans safe. Let's keep everybody safe. If I, mm-hmm. if I get heat for that, I'm sorry. But, you know, I just I feel like we all want to make sure we're enjoying the show, the talent and the fans all together.
1: Some of the best kind of decisions that WWE made was to make those guard, you know, those guard padding things immovable. Do that.
2: Job's done.
0: Fair play. All right. So the second portion of the list, the approved moves and actions. Is there anything that stood out to you that surprised you of the list presented?
1: Kind of a lot of it, yeah, because it all screams. Blood and guts, and John Moxley. Like we talked about this last night in our pre-production meeting, where bleeding on purpose. John Moxley can't walk to the ring without bleeding. Injury spots. John Moxley can't help but bleed on the way to the ring. That's an injury. Any spots are brawling in the crowd. BCC. Any spots involving non-wrestlers like referees and managers. BCC. High-risk dives and top rope moves. The elite, like. Real what, and then using weapons, throwing objects—that's going to be blood and guts, and that is completely down to, um, completely down to the BCC because you know they they use weapons. I know an awful lot of other people do too, but they are the the violence group. All variations of pile drivers, hurricane runners and sit down drivers. I'm sorry, boys, but the milter driver is now an approval only move. Like, what? <laughs> like, you know, Poison Ranas. I mean, I'm, I'm so I'm kind of split on Poison Ranas um, and Hurricane Ranas and pile drivers. I'm split on them. Part of me is happy that there's sort of a restriction on them. Part of me is sad because I like seeing the resurgence of them. They are an awesome move to behold when done well. And then you see the Tiger Driver 91 and the response that it got from people who didn't look at it and go, he landed high on his on his shoulder, on his neck. Um and even even Kenny himself came out and said stuff about you know defending the, the use of the move. I'm not gonna argue with the guy who took the move. If he knows how to take it safe, and that's the first time Tiger Driver 91's been seen in how many years? Like a stupid time. amount of years. Yeah. So these guys knew how to do this move. They know how to do it. Don't break out a, a 91 at your local indie show because you don't know how to do it. Um, any spot with TLC those those should be big showstopper unit moments so yeah they definitely should be approval only and bumps in the ring apron or outside the ring Um, there was a match a while ago I think it was I think it was Roosh I can't remember actually who it was I'm just going to make up if I say a name I'm just going to make it up but somebody took a really gnarly bump on the hardest part of the ring on the, on the ring apron um, and it looked so bad and they actually took a minute to get up from it so parking onto the injury spot, the possibility of seizure, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, et cetera. so yeah limiting those is probably a good idea and let's not forget we have people like uh, Paige, now you know Soraya and we have Ryan Danielson and we have uh. Oh, Ricky Starks, all with neck injuries.
2: Like, we have to preserve these people. They have to have careers. They have
1: families. Please use these sparingly. Um, I'm happy with the, this list. I'm confused by the timing of the list, right? Right before Blood and Guts. Because, like I said, BCC and Elite, a lot of this is going to have to be approved. And I don't mean like, Will it be approved? John Moxley demands most of this list be approved. Um so I mean, yeah, it's
2: unsurprising, I suppose. Um
1: but uh but not a shock.
2: Fair play.
0: To reiterate my earlier point, you know, it seems AEW having some guidelines for the health and safety of the the talent I always just think is a great thing. You know, it's demanding sport. People get hurt. People have taken huge bumps and walked away. Fine. Some people have taken seemingly innocuous bumps and have gotten seriously injured. Uh, but it seems the obvious things that we're moving away from, you know, shots to the head make sense. I'm on board with it. It's, but the exciting moves, at the end of the day, they're still going to be there. You know, the approved list that we, you just mentioned, right? With a producer, it's just, it's to make the bigger stuff, and it seems like it's just going to do the same things that we're going to do in multiple matches. We don't want to have, you know, a table spot in three of the four matches, or, you know, we don't want to have um, every single match has a tope spot or some of things like that. So I think it's more so to help kind of have a balanced show, you know, every four matches getting color, you know, it kind of it diminishes all those things uh, to, at the end of the day. So really. Are we gonna probably still have the same kind of baseline action? Probably we're still gonna have topes. We're still gonna have four fifties and things of such. You know we're gonna have when it's appropriate, like a blood and guts. Probably gonna have some weapons and and uh, all the different etc cetera, etc's and things of such. So I think it's more so just not to say that we're blowing it out of proportion, but it's. To have a more balanced uh match, and to have not maybe necessarily be like an indie show. Where we're gonna have the Wild West, the opening match. You know, hey, we're gonna give you we're gonna give you 12 minutes, and you're doing literally everything under the sun, the, a table spot, topes, 450s, literally. And they're like, well, okay, what is the what's what's the second to last match gonna do? What's the last match gonna do to differentiate if we blew it out of the water in the opening match? I'm just using a hyperbole but I think it's more so maybe in the vein of that to help balance it out and to help keep most of the matches unique without taking away from guys' offense and things of
2: such. I completely agree. That's
1: just the message. I completely agree.
2: Fair play.
0: All right, I ended up grabbing a note, actually, from Dave Meltzer. He mentioned on Figure4Online regarding this particular aspect he ended up speaking to a member of the talent of AEW roster quote one wrestler noted to us that you won't see any changes that would be noticeable since all of those things that you have to alert the producers about were all things that the talent would already been telling the producers about to begin with he noted that during the rare occasions where people do something in the moment that would violate the rules it could be an issue after the fact but noted those are rare he expected if that were to happen he expected minor fines but no great repercussions and it wouldn't happen often enough for that to change the product at all this is a anonymous wrestler speaking to Dave much like I mentioned seems like nothing too big a deal in terms of the fan experience anyway you know, it's just it's just more like, hey, I, I want to do some of these things that are part of my offense or maybe a spot or two. And here a am kind of you know, mentioning it to the producer or the coach or anything so that we can all kind of get on the same page and have a deal like that. So, of course, it's just what we were talking about. Some people shared their thoughts on the matter like we are doing. I pulled a tweet from Eric Bischoff. Responded to the list of banned moves, Bischoff stated, quote, welcome to the hashtag AEW, EG era, hashtag inevitable.
2: Go away.
0: Yep. And then I looked into some of the comments more or less agreeing with Bischoff's remarks. To varying degrees, condemning AEW will essentially plummet further in the ratings and eventually fold got to love the internet wrestling community. Joker. You've seen the list of banned moves and approved list. You've had some time to absorb it. Is this AEW going PG?
1: This is AEW protecting their workers. Catch a bloody grip you ingrates. Everybody's sitting here complaining. Oh, we, you know, we didn't have this person for very long, so I want to see this person back in the ring on, uh, you know, this, that, and the other, stone cold, you know, broke, broken neck, and he didn't have blah, 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 blah. And, et and I was just like, okay. But the main thing you're talking about is the fact that
2: they have to get permission to bleed. Okay. They're
1: still allowed to bleed. It just has to make sense. They're still allowed to do injury spots, it just has to be approved choking, high-risk dives. These things can all be done as long as they're approved. The only things you're saying that makes this company PG is unprotected chair shots. I want to see someone possibly die. Ugh. Go to hell. No, unprotected chair shots. Smacks to the back of the head. You wouldn't run up the... There, there, was, there was actually a, a video of a boxer who was punched in the back of the head, had a stroke and died because he was punched in the back of the head because his opponent was an absolute D-bag. So no, this is not AEW going PG. This is AEW doing the right thing and protecting its workers. I love to see it. I'm praising them for it. And if Eric Bischoff wants to say, Oh, I've been in the business for X amount of years and blah, 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 and I think this is the damn PG. I, I don't care, Eric. I really don't care. Because quite frankly, you left the job because you couldn't keep up with it whenever you were given it back in WWE. You even said so yourself. You weren't keeping up with the product. You had no passion for it. So why should I have to listen to your comments now?
2: This is people protecting their workers. And it should have been done long ago. I don't disagree.
0: The way I see it, it's two wrestling companies that offer something different, WWE and AEW, right? Different presentation, different characters, different athletes, different stories. I think that's a fair thing to say. I can see a switch of some of the in the moment decision stuff, like a uh, an improv thing, like the going into the crowd or slapping a fan's drink out of their hands. Totally understand that aspect of it, but at the core of what makes AEW, and in this instance, A you know themselves AEW, I don't see Tony Khan going on TV and saying, "We're not going to insult your intelligence with this passe story. Is about good guys versus bad guys." You know, I I think at the end of the day, the core is more than likely going to stay the same at the moment. That's not to say that down the line aw management wants to go for a certain tv rating or prohibit moves or language or something else that ultimately remains to be seen you know after wcw and ecw folded a lot of the fans you know were disenfranchised we complained that wwe got boring that there wasn't anything else that resonated with people it was very homogeneous we had things like TNA Impact in the early 2000s, with some people had access to Ring of Honor. You know, other people, maybe a smaller crowd, had access to New Japan, and that's great, right? At the end of the day, you want to go with what you like, much like a TVs, much like movies, much like music, with anything, any kind of media that you consume. You know, yeah. with, with AEW being around since 2019, And a certain section of the wrestling community enjoying a different style, the different presentation, they ended up returning to wrestling. And that's the great thing about it. You know, it's the variety. It's the spice of life. We talked about it on numerous occasions. You know, some sections of the wrestling community were so upset, they were disgusted, they were reviled that there was something else, an alternative, if you will. But at the end of the day... And I'm probably going to get smoked in the comments. I'm probably going to get some heat online. Probably I can hear the torches and the screaming coming. Just enjoy what you enjoy. It's okay to like something and not unabashedly systematically tear down something else. You and I, we're on this wrestling discussion right now. You and I don't like the exact same TV shows, films, music, movies, video games. You like what you like. I like what I like. We've 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 shared what we enjoy with each other, and we've we've actually, you know, I've discovered things through your suggestion and through some of the things you've liked. Doesn't mean just because we we don't agree a hundred percent, I I need to unabashedly tear down things that you like because I, I either have no interest or or just don't like things that you know. It's just that it doesn't it's not that's not logical human behavior so at the end of the day i'll uh, hear, thanks for coming to my tech talk i'll wind down with saying at the at the end of the day just like what you like you don't you don't need that anger in you it's not good for your health to circle back to our original point from the opening just like what you like it's okay to have different things out there as with everything else in the world
1: let me just stand in front of all the bad comments and say if you agree with eric bischoff and think this is aw going pg i disagree with you and your opinion sucks come at me bro
0: there it is the internet wrestling community can be a divisive place to be and be involved with we're always going to have our opinions and if my opinion differs from you then you know we're going to argue it doesn't always have to be the case you can like different things it is what it is that's that's why we have different companies at varying degrees of levels we have different wrestlers the old adage of somebody watches a clip of something this is not wrestling wrestling is a very vague and wide thing we had big beefy boys slap and meet in the 80s we had a little bit more smaller athletic guys in the 90s the introduction of the indie slash tna slash x division style becoming prominent in the 2000s the hybrid style of things coming to prominence in the 2010s everybody's gonna like something different uh just just enjoy what you enjoy and and just go along for the ride I I hear I hear the torches and the pitchforks coming. I'm sorry, but it is what it is.
1: The beauty of the beauty of this kind of content, PT, is if I did catch anyone with that net, then uh, I can just ignore them in the comments because again, their opinion means nothing to me. So yeah, and just I'm gonna have to echo what you what you said. Just enjoy it. Like if you don't enjoy it, don't watch it. I don't enjoy NXT. I don't enjoy impact so i don't watch them i don't sit here and rag on it like there's no point if i don't watch it i have no opinion with which to rag on it for so there you go if you like it watch it
2: don't don't End off like what you like don't have hate in your heart brother let it out. so
0: with that thanks for coming to our tech talk those were our thoughts on aew's band slash approved move list let us know down in the comment section below on youtube hit us up on twitter instagram let us know what your impressions were of the ban slash approved move list if there's anything that surprised you and a flaming topic if aew is going quote unquote pg all right interesting show this week factions in wrestling are we using them properly are we being overused are folks giving opportunities big matches coming up with surprise members revealed are we going in for safety of the wrestlers are we just giving out about it's not my wrestling anymore lots of things we covered in the show
1: yeah, and some of it was, I'd say, more important than others, um, and some of it was just more interesting than others. Um, I definitely feel like uh, the direction that a company wants to go in with their talent is indicative of storytelling and how much and how well they treat their, uh, their talent. So, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely something that um, we have to keep an eye on, for sure, for some factions. Uh, We have to keep an eye on for the protection of some wrestlers. And uh, yeah, we uh, all have to kind of meet in the middle and watch that faction warfare uh, where there's going to be plenty of blood, plenty of guts, and see Kota Ibushi and Pac beat the ever-loving heck out of uh, each other's teams.
0: Yeah, quite the wide array of topics that we covered I think the the common thread of if there's a lot of stories to be told, we want to make sure that the wrestlers and the fans themselves are safe when executing that, that it can be entertaining, that we can have a variety within our wrestling, whether that's on a show or in a story or with a group, that folks can resonate with, folks then cheer or boo to their heart's content, and at the end of the day just enjoy that we have lots of wrestling to choose from and not maybe just one flavor of vanilla. It makes me think of that soylent green that you can only have that for the rest of your life. And it would get a little bit of boring, but Hey, we got some choice and some choice is not a bad thing to have.
1: Completely agree. All
0: right. Thank you so much for listening this far. Appreciate you. I'll reiterate our intro. Stay cool out there in this dog days of summer. Take care of yourself. And uh, we're going to wind down on out of here. So, four, TF Joker.
1: LA Knight now buys only the most premium of insurances.
0: I need some insurance myself. Some premium. Yeah, insurance. And for me, pretty Tony, we thank you for your time. Let us be a part of your day. And remember, be good to yourself. Be good to each other. And we'll catch you next time. Peace.